All right, guys, let's pull it back together in here. If I can get everybody's attention. I won't keep you much longer, but I just want to take a second um, to get kind of intentional here. I've, I've been able to go around and, and hang out with a handful of tables, and uh, if you if you're, didn't get a chance to meet some of you didn't already know, then I hope that you will before you leave. But it's always encouraging to have like little moments like this right before the crazy and the hustle and the bustle begins of a new year. Um, I would love to take some time just to celebrate what God has been able to do with our church family this year um, and, uh, and to get there. Um, let's just go on a journey of celebration. Um, so 2023 was a really good year. You can go and switch to the sermon slides there, Perry. Um, 2023 was a really good year for our church. It was a chance for us to uh, really come into our own in a new way. We've talked about over and over and over again about how this was our 10th year at a church. Uh, and so our church, a couple of you might not know this, that our church, we, we planted at the YMCA uh, over 10 years ago now. We were there for a period of time, and then we ended up, uh, there was a fire at the YMCA in 2015. The place was unusable. We ended up being displaced to Alderman Elementary. Elementary school, we were there for a couple of years. We ended up sliding over to the movie theater on Cinema Drive over here, and then uh, and then 2019, we're invited to come back to the YMC after they rebuilt that place. And over that time, it's just been like this constant nomadic moving from place to place and not knowing exactly what to do or what to expect. Um, But finally, get into a a groove of things, and then of course, COVID 19. Uh, may we never speak the name, uh, came in and like ruined everything or made some things better or whatever. And uh, so then we finally were getting into a stride over there at the YMCA again. But when we got the opportunity to find a building of our own and to put ourselves in a position where we were in a neighborhood, where we could start to impact people right across the street, not just on a Sunday and not trying to schedule things all over the place in people's houses, but get into people's lives right where they live, uh, it began to happen, and so we purchased this building. We spent 17 months, 17 months doing the upfit, uh, and then after getting in here back in September, um, man, I, I was uh, putting together the slideshow that you were watching earlier, and I was blown away about how many things that our church family has done since September. It's, it's like, it was like a different world before September, and then like since then, the, the community events we've done, the opportunities we've had to just serve around and to be in this space and to have new Bible studies start up and small groups and all those kind of things. And still, at the heart of who we are, when we began, we said we want to be a church for people who don't like church. What does that mean? Church for people who don't like church doesn't mean that we don't like church. In fact, you guys are some of my closest friends and family. I love you. But it's how do we tear down the walls that have kept people away from church and God? so that we can build a bridge to Jesus. Like, that's, that's the thing. So sometimes it means, you know, being less formal. Sometimes it means uh, being more formal about other things. Sometimes it means the language that we use. Sometimes it just, but often it's just about our heart and our intentionality. That's really what it is. You don't have to be an expert at loving people. You just have to be intentional. And so that's the heart of who we are, and we, we aim to be God-chasing grace-shaped love agents. That's like the three measuring sticks of how you can tell if you're in our church and you're getting plugged in that you're a God-chasing, grace-shaped love agent. And what does that mean? We've talked about it many, many times. But, you know, in the process, what do we do? We say it every single week. You can help me. We shine light where? We shine light in dark places. That's what we're here to do. It's not rocket science. In fact, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he wasn't going like, all right, we need everybody to get a PhD over here. You guys need to learn uh, different languages first. That's what you're going to need to do, and I need you to go start Fortune 500 companies. Like, no. He was like, you go to broken people, you love them. Okay, that's what you do, and then you tell them God loves them, and then you help them see that. And you meet them where they are, and you help them take the next step of faith, and that's how you do that. How do we do it, Jesus? I'll help you. I'll let my spirit stay with you, and I'll, let, I'll help you. 
Am I good enough? No, you're not good enough. That's why I'm going to come and I'm going to provide the perfect sacrifice so that you can live outside of your sin and your brokenness and your background and you can move forward because I can give you, I can bridge the gap for you. And so the message of Jesus and the hope of the church is simple. And so in 2023, we're able to experience that. Of course, we had the grand opening of our new building. We ordained our first group of deacons. That's cool, man. And, uh, and to see a new group of leaders step up. We've had elders for several years now, and to have a group of deacons, I'm going to tell you, these guys, they hit the ground running. And to see how they've been able to serve you and organize more things together, and that's, that's been amazing. In 2023, uh, we showed that we, we have five values that we talk about all the time. They're above the coffee bar out in the lobby. You can look at them. One of them is that we value the next generation. We used to say hashtag kids matter, uh, but it's like we value the next generation, everything from the little kids to the college students. And we've seen more interaction with our college ministries. We've seen more interaction with our little kids. they got a brand-new curriculum they're using that had great vacation Bible school this year. We had, uh, we had two baptisms this year. I'd love to see 20 or 30 every year, but every one matters. And guess what the two were? They were our, some of our teachers teenagers. And we got to see their lives changed, and we got to see them choose to come to church. You want to see who serves the most in our church? Just take a look every Sunday morning, and you're going to see a lot of our teenagers out here serving. We were able to bring on Perry last year to be a full-time youth minister, and seeing that intentionality is seen sometimes, you know, like up to 30 kids out here on a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock as he's engaging with some of the kids in the community now that are sort of come over and, and trust him. And they knock on the door, and they literally like, hey, is Perry here? And they come looking for him. And so to see this different in the intentionality, we this year were able to send our kids to Carolina Christian Youth Conference. We were to send so many kids to summer camp in Washington. Uh, we had our first ever Youth Sunday, a Sunday completely run by our teenagers. They did the preaching, the worship, they ran the technology stuff. They did it all just with a little bit of help from some of the adults that do it. And so it's awesome to see that that, that, that value of uh, the next generation is huge. Another one of our values is that we want to be hilariously generous. Church gets in trouble a lot for talking about money too much. And it's often because, you know, maybe the, I don't know, maybe the preacher wants a, a, a gold hummer or something. I don't know. I don't know what, like, the emphasis and the, and the, the wrong thing that happened a lot of time with churches. But from, from the get-go, we said, no, when, when we talk about money, we're going to talk about it like a family, and we're going to talk about it in terms of generosity. What can we give away? What can we do? Yeah, we need to pay our bills. Yeah, we're going to have our staff, all that kind of stuff. But, like, uh, we said with our, our finance team years ago that if we're ever going to go down, let's go down swinging. <laughs> Let's, let's make sure we're generous first. And, man, what God has done with that has blown my stinking mind. Can I just share a couple of things with you? I talked about uh, Collective Church this morning. They're launching this morning. Uh, this, this year alone, we've been able to be financial partners with church plants in Kinston Collective Church, uh, Renew Christian Church in Durham, with Restore Church in Jacksonville, and with Canvas Church in Goldsboro. We've been able to like, be financially involved with them. For a church our size, you look at it like, well, how do you even do it? Well, we do it twice a year. We give away entire offerings, you know, and then we, we budget it to give away every single month. In addition to that, we were able to give away dozens of camp scholarship to our kids to go. And it's like $50 per kid to go, but parents who use that, is that helpful? <laughs> yes. Some of us have a couple kids, and that 100 bucks towards summer camp gets those kids in a week-long experience where they're not just in church for an hour a week. They're there for an entire week building friendships and having fellowship and and I love the, our, our camp's theme that it's, it's fun, for day, fun, fun for days, friends for life, change for eternity. And to put them in that setting is, is huge. We support a ministry that we haven't talked a lot about because they're kind of one of our newer missions, but we're gonna, you're going to hear a lot more about them, called Bible, uh, Pioneer Bible Translators. Uh, the guy that we're supporting and his family, they actually were in Papua New Guinea, and they were involved with brand new translations of the Bible that last year, I think, went out for the f first time 
to a people group that had never had a Bible in their language that they could read. Well, the guy that we had uh, in a small way began to support, he actually became the regional director of Pioneer Bible Translators and has moved to the north coast of Australia and has impact in all these southeastern, southeast Asian island nations, and of course Papua New Guinea and all of those areas. And so we, we monthly are able to support them. Our little church make an impact around the world. People who don't have re- readable versions of the Bible in their own language. One of the most unreached people groups in the world in terms of Bible translation is deaf people. And that's one of their biggest things in some of these third world countries is to say, yeah, in America, maybe there's different settings. And if you have, I got a lot of deaf friends in, in my family and in my life. My mom worked at a school for the deaf my whole life growing up, and she's a translator. And, um, and so, but talking to Brian Paris, who's over there uh, in Northern Australia, and he was saying, you know, like American Sign Language, there, there's a lot of systems involved, and there's some American Sign Language versions of the Bible that they're able to have. But, like, over there, there's different sign language, right? And so, like, how crazy. Like, that's something we don't think about. But our little church is able to have a little part in that. Over and over and over again, I've been blown away about the benevolence we've been able to do. Just to help families in need. We have a fund called our Benevolence Fund. You can give directly to it. It doesn't go to any of our overhead. It doesn't go to anything else. We just have uh, uh, our elders and soon a new missions team that we're able to uh, build is going to help with this, too. But uh, they just are able to help families in need. And through the years, we've been able to pay for people's medicine, people's rent, people's phone bills, like whatever they need, just helping with kids with stuff with their kids. And so looking at all that, I was blown away when I talked to our bookkeeper last week. And I said, hey, could you give me some numbers of, like, how, how hilariously generous we, you, we were? This year? Guys, it was hilarious. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. We were able to give away this past year 37000 What? That's like fall out of your seat. Look at this room. Look at how many millionaires are in here. None that I know of. This is our church family. We're not much bigger than this on an average Sunday. By the way, that's 17% of our local offerings. Because our eldership and our finance team and our staff, we're committed to saying it's generosity first. And so I hope that's something that trickles into your family. That you're like, I want to help others. I want to help pick people up from wherever they are. In addition to that, you know, we moved into this building, and a lot of you were part of our Above and Beyond campaign, which was like a, it was an energizing campaign. It was an initiative to get us over to this space with the right mentality. We said we want to move forward uh, in faith with purpose. But in that process, we also did a capital campaign where I think over $400,000 was committed by you guys over the course of two years, and I was like, what? Uh, just in this year alone, 152000 of that has come in to help pay for the upfit of this building. 152000 Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's, that's wild. When I look at, I know the jobs you have, and I know the things you do with your life, and I looked at, wow, 37,000 of it was able to be given away. That was generosity. But then on top of that, above and beyond, you believe so much in what we're doing as a ministry in this city that you said, I want to support paying down the mortgage on this building and getting in this space with as little debt as possible. It's inspiring. It's hilarious. And that's what God does in our lives when he begins to transform us. So many things we could celebrate. I want to celebrate again the two baptisms we had this year, Lucas Sutherland and Peyton Myers. Can we praise God for that? Let me tell you that this year, as you're thinking about how you're pursuing God, I just want to ask you, have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you said, I'm going to do this full time. He's going to be my master. And when we look in Scripture and we look at the process of what it means to submit fully to Jesus, every single conversion in the New Testament in the book of Acts is followed almost immediately by someone submitting to baptism in water. It's a beautiful picture of me saying, I'm going to lay down my old life, buried, dead. I'm going to raise to walk in newness of life, which is what it says in Romans chapter 6. And so maybe that's something that you need to be thinking about this new year. 
starting fresh with him. Maybe it's the first decision you've ever made. Maybe it's like a renewal, a chance that you can just start fresh with him. What, what I want to do in the few minutes I have left is just take a look at some scripture to remind us what it means for us to go and shine light in dark places. And it begins from a place of the heart. Kind of the theme passage is going to guide us this morning, and you'll just be on the screen. You don't have to look it up. 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite passages. The very first Sunday that we had church together, I preached from this passage. And it says that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new is here. And when I think about a new year or whether it's your birthday or whatever it helps you to just renew your heart and your mind, this passage comes to me over and over and over as this refrain of God makes you new. Your baggage, your background, your sin, your brokenness, it's all behind you when you turn to Jesus. And what about tomorrow? What about when I mess up again? I love this passage from the book of Lamentations. This is old school, Old Testament. In Lamentations 3.22, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Maybe you need that reminder. It's been a minute since you started fresh. And New Year's didn't do it for you because you didn't make it to the gym. And you still picked up the cigarette or whatever it is you're trying to stop, you know. His mercies are new every morning. You don't have to wait till January 1st or Chinese New Year, or wherever the other New Year's are. You don't have to wait for that. Every single day, His mercies are new. Why? I believe that God saved us on purpose for purpose. When you look in the book of Ephesians, it says that, you know, He, he, he saved us, we're his, his masterpiece, to do the good works that He prepared in advance for us to do. He wants us to serve. I love this phrase, this idea that I got from a, a podcast teacher that I listen to all the time. He says that God wants to partner with you to put the world back together. Why didn't God just like come in and zap, 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 fix the problems, fix the poverty, help the marriage, blah, blah, blah? Well, first of all, we're not robots. We don't program like that. And secondly, he says, I am there. I'm in it through you guys. I gave you my life. I gave you my spirit to guide you. And I want you to go out there and you want you to shine light in dark places. I want you to go help other people see that my mercies are new every morning. And so a passage that we draw from all the time for that is from Matthew chapter 5. And I'm just going to read this whole passage, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Hopefully you've heard this a hundred times. Maybe it's the first time. Listen to this. This is Jesus talking. He says, you, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. Maybe to be thrown on the ground and trampled underfoot. But you are the light of the world. A town that's built on a hill can't be hidden. And, and people don't take a light and then put it under a bowl. No, they take their light and they put it on a stand so that everyone in the house can see the light. And so in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. These words of Jesus are what we paraphrase every single week at the end of our church service when we say shine light in dark places. The goal is not to come in here and get all bright and energized and get new batteries and new wicks trimmed and more, more gas in our fire or whatever. Like, like, ooh, I'm feeling good. And then to go to your home and to live in your little cave and your little bubble and be like, I'm good. Me and God are good. Me and God are good. I hope you and God are good. But Jesus says, no, I want you to reflect my light into the world. I want you to take that goodness, and I want you to put it into the lives of other people who need it. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to be uncomfortable. 
It's going to take rearranging your schedule. It's going to take changing how you spend your time and your money. It's going to take adjusting the relationships you have. But is it worth it? Anybody in here that knows, is it worth it? Can you tell me, is it worth it? Yeah. It is so worth it. It's a game changer. You're going to be a better dad? Shine the light of Jesus into the lives of your kids. You want to be a better mom? Shine the light of Jesus into the light of lives of your kids. You want to be a better uh, a, a husband, a wife? Shine the light of Jesus into your marriage. You hate your job? Join a club. There's a big one. Shine the light of Jesus at work. Is everything going to be hunky dory and great all the time? No. No, we promise that. Jesus says in this world you will have troubles. But when you can move forward saying, I can put other people in God first in my life, then in those settings I can find joy, I can find contentment, I can find mission. If you don't know how to shine the light of Jesus, you know how we do that? We come together in community, and we learn it together. We model what other people do. We read and study together. We sing songs to our God. We invite him into our lives. So this year, as you look forward, this is one thing I want to really, I want to, I had a friend who was joking online, he's a preacher at another church, and he's, he made a video for like Facebook or whatever, he said, all right guys, come and get your perfect descendants started on January 7th, because they didn't meet on the first Sunday either. Uh, this is the first Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, we did it. We made, he said, get your, get your perfect attendance started for, I don't think God giving out gold stars for perfect attendance. I think that um, a lot of times we beat people, people in the head over attendance, but attendance brings proximity. Like when you're in attendance, when you're at things with your church family, you are in proximity to the goodness of God in their lives. Or you can be close to their brokenness and you can help them if you happen to be stronger that day. I want to encourage you this year, guys, be around. Be at stuff. Not just to be there. Not for perfect attendance. I don't have any gold stars. I'm not handing them out. Nobody else is. But for the sake of being in proximity with the family of God and to be part of it. So what I want to do as we wrap up the day, two, two quick things. Uh, they don't have to be quick in terms of, like, let's rush, but we're almost done. I want to take some time to take communion together. Uh, Brian, if you're in here, you can go and come on and get some music started. Is he in here? Oh, he got baby. Um, and uh, Brian's just going to play through some music. We're not going to sing another song. Uh, we did that, and uh, you can turn on uh, Life 90.5 in your car and do that on the way home if you want to. Uh, but w- what we want to do is spend, old school, old school. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42 says, this is the first church, okay? And this is like just days, weeks after Jesus rose from the dead. The new church has just begun. And so as the church is growing like wildfire, okay, 3,000 people get baptized on the day of Pentecost, which is the very first day of the church. And within a couple of weeks, the church has grown to like over 5,000 people. Can you imagine that? We get pumped when like 10 people show up in anything. Thousands of people are just giving their life over to Jesus. They're transforming all these things are happening, and as these little groups begin to grow, they start to gather people's houses, they start to encourage each other, they start to like, read the Bible together. Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47 says this, and read the whole thing. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So this was the hallmark of the early church. This is what they did. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed with the apostles. That's kind of what we just did. Just going through a little celebrations of 2023. And we were like, what? All of that happened this year? And that was just highlights. 
And these people are blown away by what God's doing in their lives. Verse 44, all the believers were together. They shared everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to people who were in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right now we're going to... reenact some of that breaking of bread together. Every single week at our church, we we respond to what God's doing in the teaching time by doing communion together. So normally we have stations around the room when you stand up and you go to them. We realized that uh, it was hard enough just to get in your seat today because it's tight. So we're not going to ask you to get out and walk around and carry grape juice at the same time. But at your table, if you can kind of elect a table leader real quick. Um, and uh, we got a little, little bottle of grape juice um, and some little cups, some little uh, pita bread there. And those are going to represent the emblems as Jesus gathered with his disciples. And I got another passage. I'm gonna read this passage with you. Say, yeah, you guys wanna go ahead and pour a little cup of juice. By the way, this is optional. You don't have to do it. You're like, I don't understand this. I don't wanna do this. Don't, don't do it. It's fine. Um, but this is just gonna be a reenactment of a passage that I'm about to read to you. And as we take these elements together, it's actually tapping into, this is really cool. We're tapping into something ancient. Something so ancient. For thousands of years, believers had gotten together every single week to break bread, to share communion together. And in the breaking of bread and the drinking of the juice, not only are we reenacting this supper that Jesus had with his disciples that I'm about to read about, but man, we're we're joining in a chorus with millions of believers right now and through the ages. And there's a thousand different traditions of communion, you know, like you stand up and some priest hands you something, or maybe you break a loaf of bread, or maybe someone passed a tray around. We get up and go to a table. You can do a lot of different ways. I'm going to tell you what else you can do. You can go to islands after church today, and you can break tacos together. You, amen. You know, you can sit at a Super Bowl party and eat pizza and break bread together. And it's not the exact same emblems, but it's the notion of saying what Jesus said was, remember my death until I come. And when you break this bread, remember me. I love that he used a meal because he's like... Not many of us are skipping many meals. He's like, you're not going to forget this. And so the notion that like this could get old, this could get boring, this could get commonplace. A lot of churches don't do it very often because like we don't want to wear it out. Bro, we eat every day. So let's remember. So let me read this passage. Uh, if you got the stuff ready in, in a second, I, I think most of you know what's going on. And if you're a guest and you're like, what are we doing? Just kind of hang on. It's not that complicated. In 1 Corinthians 12, 23, it says this. This is the apostle Paul talking, but he says this. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given it thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Will you join me in taking some bread? body of Christ. We spent a lot of time at Christmas talking about the incarnation, the fact that God came near. Like, if you really want to show somebody that you love them, you show up at their house. You know, you bring them some chicken noodle soup when they don't feel good. And God said, I'm moving into the neighborhood. He put on flesh. He he gave it to us. This is my body. Verse 25, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. I love that word covenant. It's like promise. It's like uh, almost like contract, but like more meaningful. This is an agreement. 
And so many covenants over time uh, have taken place over blood, sacrifices and things like that. If you ever watch like Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn, you know, like we're blood brothers, right? That kind of thing. And so this idea of blood being the seal on a covenant is huge. It's, it's, you, you sign paper with a ballpoint pen and you buy houses and you get married. But man, to, to sign in your blood, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's share the cup. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are on hold in this world. We're so focused on the here and the now and the technology and the fast and the internet and movies and celebrities and all that stuff that we sometimes forget that like this, this shell that we carry around is so temporary. Until you, you go to a funeral or you lose a loved one and you're like, wow, it was so, it was so fragile. <laughs> but that's not all there is. Like deep inside of us, I don't know where, you can't see it on an x-ray, but God gives you a soul. He gives you eternal purpose. And that soul lives on beyond this body. And so in this world, we're on hold. And I think if there's anything that can motivate us to live in the newness that Jesus brings is to be reminded, like the things of this world are passing. They're fleeting. They're temporary. But Jesus says the things of heaven are the treasures we should store up. Those are the things we should pursue. We're heavenly beings in mortal bodies, but man, while we're here, while we're here, we get to make a difference. I'd love to invite you to bow your heads and let's just pray together.